Hey everyone, I hope you had a great weekend. <clears throat> uh, the air quality here in the Northeast uh, apparently is not as good as it should be, according to federal agencies. It was a terrible weekend of weather, and now that we're here on Monday, finally with sunshine, our federal agencies are telling us that things are bad. U.S. National Weather Service issued warnings across a dozen states this morning. Excuse me. And major cities are under air quality alerts here in the Northeast. New York, Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Columbus, Cincinnati, St. Louis, Philadelphia, Indianapolis, and Des Moines, Iowa. U.S. Environmental Protection Agency's Air Now air quality page rated that the air in Chicago as unhealthy. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the Jamie Dury Show podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe to the show, and you can do so in one of several easy ways. Either go to your Google Play Store, your iTunes App Store, depending which device you use, download the free Podbean app, search out the Jamie Dury Show, and subscribe that way, or simply use your native podcast aggregator app on your device Search out The Jamie Dury Show and subscribe that way. Either way you choose to subscribe, you will be able to um, leave reviews, leave comments, leave questions for me, yours truly, and we desperately want those reviews, so please leave us as many reviews as you can. Uh, you know, you and your friends, share the program with your friends, and the more reviews we get, the faster the show will grow and the more quickly we will rise in search engine results when people search out the iTunes App Store or the uh, Google Play Store for podcasts, all right? Okay. So uh, why did I want to speak about this briefly today? Well, because ostensibly, <clears throat> all of these warnings of air quality are the consequence of Canadian wildfires, Canadian wildfires that took place last month. You trying to tell me they haven't been able to put any of these fires out in all this period of time? And more importantly, back when those fires happened, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm having a terrible time with a cough this week. I pointed out to you that one very, very good internet soldier uploaded a weather map from, uh, from Canada showing aerial satellite photos of the area that has been ravaged by the wildfires. It showed a photo of that area 24 hours prior to the fires being started. And then it showed a photo of those areas 24 hours later. And there were no fewer than 12 to 15 fires. And they were each <clears throat> some distance apart. How did 12 to 15 fires simultaneously get started or all get started within a 24-hour period of time when they're a distance apart, all separate blazes? So it isn't as if one set off the other. Now, I know that forest fires can be started by lightning strikes, but you can't tell me lightning struck in 15 different places and started 15 different fires within a 24-hour period. That has to be some kind of record. And if we're suffering here, what are the people in Canada experiencing? You can't tell me, with all the money we're spending on sending armaments to Ukraine and weapons here and weapons there and the money we send overseas, that we can't help our neighbor to the north, Canada, extinguish these Canadian wildfires. 
Or is it that these fires were set deliberately, either by a governmental agency or some private organization that has a vested interest in seeing the air quality reduced and try to parlay this somehow as leverage in the argument for additional restrictions on our lives and conduct that we're permitted to engage in, all in the furtherance of this green climate agenda, which is doing no one any good. A recent show that I listened to regularly was speaking about CO2. Because, you know, CO2, they say it's a greenhouse gas, CO2 emissions. I venture to say that if you ask most people how much CO2 is in the atmosphere right now, you'd get a ridiculous figure, 20%, 30%, whatever. The actual amount of CO2 in the atmosphere is 0.4 tenths, 0.4%. 0.4%. That means four-tenths of 1%. Now, it's interesting to note that if CO2 concentrations go down to 0.2% or below, meaning cut in half, all plant life dies. You see, plants take in CO2. CO2 is to plants what oxygen is to us and other forms of mammalian, reptilian, and avian life. We need air, and they need CO2. They take in CO2, and they give off oxygen. That's what we need. We need oxygen. So all this crazy focus on CO2 as a greenhouse gas, if we start reducing it any more than it already is, we're going to wind up destroying ourselves. So I think the people that run these arguments don't know anything. But I still think these wildfires are suspicious, and it's something we're going to be keeping uh, our eye on. Now, now that the marketing figures are in for the week of July 4th and the week following after, meaning July 4th to July 8th, I thought it would be interesting to visit some of the numbers on Bud Light. Over the weekend, I listened to an interview with Alyssa Heinerscheid. She was the VP in marketing that said she had a mandate to save this dying brand. I I don't know how much of a dying brand it was. Last year, I think Bud Light was the number one brand of beer consumed, and maybe the sales were going down, but it was still doing very well. As a result of this boycott, because of the ill-fated partnership with Dylan Mulvaney, which she piloted, uh, it is now 15th. And she, in this interview, really trashed the people that drank Bud Light saying it was, you know, bratty and out of touch humor and it was dying. Here's a woman that went to Brown University, lived her life in a bubble, doesn't have a single clue to life as to how to run a business or how to market a campaign. She's going to take a, a, a brand and she's going to salvage this brand in her own words by using inclusivity. Now, inclusivity, in her mind, is to put out a transgender representative because she wants to encourage more women to drink the beer. Now, I don't know how having a transgender front person attracts more women to the brand. It's puzzling to me. It certainly isn't going to attract more men to the brand. It's going to repel them. And since the bulk of beer drinkers across brands in this country are men, just as the bulk of of people who drink Chablis and Rosé wine are women, uh, I think it was an ill-fated move. 
And to show you just how ill-fated it was, I'm going to give you the figures, because there's an old Jewish saying, figures don't lie, but liars figure. Sales of Bud Light. This is a great article here. I'm going to read it directly so nobody says I can. I misquoted. Sales of Bud Light dropped over the 4th of July holiday weekend amid the month-long back months-long rather backslash against the company over its decision to promote a transgender social media activist. Industry data show that sales of the light beer dropped 23.6 percent in the weekly period ending on July 8th, as compared with that same period just a year ago, according to Bump Williams Consulting, citing Nielsen IQ data. Okay, Nielsen data is very reliable and very well respected in the industry. They're the same people that do Nielsen ratings of television shows for the purposes of placing ads. Over the same period, sales of Coors Light increased by 30.2%, Miller Lite jumped 25.2%, and Modelo Especial was up 20.7%. So, what that tells you is, there is a thirst in this country for light beers, and prior to Dylan Mulvaney hooking her cart to Bud Light, Bud Light was one of the preferred ways of people satisfying that lust for light beer. Now it is not. The most recent Bud Light drop is smaller Then the two weeks prior, when it declined by 28.5% and by 27.9% respectively, the data show. However, you have to understand, the big, big backlash uh, was when it first happened. So this is uh, is a continued drop in the brand. People are not going to come back to Bud Light anytime soon. And a report from the Daily Caller which cited other industry data, found that not only is Bud Light hurting, but Anheuser-Busch is hemorrhaging in other brands that they market that have also suffered. Uh, Budweiser itself, the, the main brand, saw a 6.6% drop in sales in the week ending July 8th. The sales slump all started when Bud Light made a beer can with Dylan Mulvaney's face on the front before the influencer posted the can on social media declaring the two were partners. Anheuser-Busch executives later told analysts in May that there was no official partnership and that one can was made. Well, I'm not buying it. Alyssa Heinerscheid has been put on leave of absence. They never fire him at that level, but she's been put in the can, so to speak, no pun intended. You're not going to see her again. And two other people above her, Uh, were fired. They were given the outs. So Bud Light is hurting. Uh, Not only that, we know that uh, in addition, the woke mob is suffering the stupidity at uh, Ben and Jerry's saying on July 4th that America is based on stolen land and we should give it back. They're suffering. Target has just had their stock downgraded as a result of their uh, stocking LGBTQ and transgender clothing for little kids protest and refusing initially to carry Mark Levin's new book. They've just been downgraded by a rating agency. So you people out there who believe in the United States, who believe in people being allowed to live their lives as they want, who are in favor of traditional values, who think that parents should have a voice in the type of education 
their children get in schools, schools that they pay for with their publicly rendered tax dollars, um, you are having an effect. And I hope that the self-inflicted wounds of companies like Anheuser-Busch and uh, Target and Ben & Jerry's will serve to fortify you and your commitment to doing the right thing because you, through the power of the consumer, have the ability to take this woke data and wreck it on the rocks like a ship doesn't pay attention to the foghorn on the lighthouse when it's a foggy day. That's exactly what's happening to these companies. They're ignoring the warning signs and they're continuing to ruin themselves. So we'll be following this and continuing with this. Uh, I wanted to get one other little topic in today. Today's a quick short one. It's a Monday. We wanted to hit some things. Uh, Over the weekend, we've got some new information as the Republican race, primary race, begins to heat up. One of the less stellar performing candidates, but somebody who's very, very likable, this Vivek Ramaswamy, the businessman, I think he may wind up being uh, vice president for someone. Uh, He did some pretty good work on the campaign trail in Iowa and Florida. And now I guess he's taking a page from Donald Trump's book by revealing who he would appoint to the U.S. Supreme Court if he ever reached the Oval Office. Now, on his list, he's got two names that I'm sure all of you probably know. Senator Ted Cruz from Texas and Senator Mike Lee from Utah. Now, I can't say that those would not be great choices. They're excellent choices. But I would hope that Mr. Reswam, I don't want to mispronounce his last name, Ramaswamy, would revisit that thinking. No doubt they would make great Supreme Court justices, but right now we have a 50-50, or a little bit less than 50-50 Senate. We need to take that Senate back, and we need people who can hold on to their seats. We don't want to put the seats up for grabs uh, when we have an incumbent that is um, supporting policies that we like. So as much as I would like to see Ted Cruz on the Supreme Court one day or Mike Lee on the Supreme Court one day, right now they are most sorely needed where they are in the United States Senate, being the voice of reason and a voice of sanity. So I hope that Mr. Ramswamy will change his mind. Now, one last item I wanted to cover today. Uh, Over the weekend, Tucker Carlson interviewed some candidates. He interviewed Mike Pence. And in this 60-second soundbite, Mike Pence just torpedoes his own campaign. And Tucker really put him on front street. I want you to listen to this soundbite. Listen to what Mike Pence says and listen to Tucker Carlson's response. Tucker Carlson just killed Mike Pence's 2024 presidential campaign. Along the way, the Biden administration has been slow in providing military support. Make no mistake about this. We promised them 33 Abrams tanks in January. I heard again two weeks ago in Ukraine, they still don't have them. We've been telling them we'll train their F-16 pilots, but now they're saying maybe January we'll let somebody transfer some jets. I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President, have you, I know you're running for president. 
You are, you. You are distressed notice. that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks. Every city in the United States has become much worse over the past three years. Yeah. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. Right. And it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. And yet, your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. Right. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. <laughs> Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not my concern. I'm running for president of the United States because I think this country's in a lot of trouble. I think Joe... Yeah, well, you have a funny way of showing it, Mr. Vice President, Mr. Former Vice President. You're running for President of the United States ostensibly because you think this country's in a lot of trouble, yet your principal concern is that the country of Ukraine doesn't have enough American weapons. Uh, I don't know how that shakes out. Uh, I think that's... <laughs> if you can defend that, well, you can divine some wisdom in that. Uh, I can't. Um, I think Pence just shot himself in the foot and is just as well. He's a dead pork chop in politics. Ever since he did what he did with Donald Trump, uh, he's a dead pork chop. Before we sign off, one little note, personal note, a word of congratulation to a very good man, Eddie Caban, who was named uh, the first Hispanic Puerto Rican commissioner of the New York City Police Department, the largest police department in the free world. Eddie's a good man, and we here at the Jamie Dury Show wish him well in his new post. For the Jamie Dury Show podcast, I'm Jamie Dury.